Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Up on the Lookout Storytime. For those of you who don't know, this is a branching series of the Up on the Lookout series where I actually take some of the what-ifs that I've done on my own YouTube channel and translate them into an audio-only format which people have been long requesting for and now I am delivering with probably one of my favourite stories that I've actually come up with in recent times. enjoying this series then I do wish for you to rate and review on your respective platforms as well as maybe going to masoko.cc lookout to be able to become a caretaker of the lookout and also get your name out on the podcast. Every little bit helps and I greatly appreciate you for it. Thank you. But now we must continue with the fourth part of the story that I have chosen to be the shining light up here on the lookout as we wish to have a sort of book at bedtime format that you get on a certain BBC Radio 4. All of this has to do with Frieza, the baddest of the bad within the dragon world, a person feared by the likes of the Supreme Kai, and even catching the interest of people like Beerus, who is notoriously hard to impress. That's a big deal, so for this guy to suddenly change is something to be handled carefully and with respect. That is what we're trying to do here, as we propose the idea of Frieza turning good. In the last part of this story, Frieza's little brother was almost complete, as the former emperor himself was busy trying to find some decent food on a faraway planet. Unfortunately for him, the ship that he had stolen was found by Cold Force mercenaries and impounded, ready for it to be inspected and him found out and taken back home to a fate that he has no clue. But it obviously would be pretty bad. But before all hope was lost for our now main character, a familiar girl, albeit a younger version of them, catches his attention and thanks to some quick thinking and actions, he and her are now in cahoots with one another each of them trying to profit out of this particular predicament. Incidentally, I think you all could guess that the girl was probably Chilai, based on the thumbnail for this podcast. She made her original debut in the Dragon Ball Super Broly movie, but here, but here, I decided to bring her in early, since we don't really know anything about her early days when she was a child. She was a street urchin and thief. This seems like a plausible place for her to be scrounging for stuff, and for her to bump into Freezer. And since he is doing the same thing here, they are actually now sort of kindred spirits. Who would have seen that coming? Let's continue. Vegeta, having been transported to Yardrat by Goku's space taxi service, finds himself surrounded by pink and blue beings who give off a very mellow and happy vibe. This Vegeta in this story isn't as receptive as his Dragon Ball Super counterpart, and this kind of thing really is not his style. Ibarra has been informed by Goku about Vegeta and anticipates that this Saiyan will be not as hearty nor as nice as the one that he had previously trained up. That being said, Goku did champion Vegeta a lot for being dedicated and focused, but not how he got that way, and that all of this is just to beat Kakarot, and not for anything noble like saving the world. No, no, no. This isn't the Vegeta we know nowadays. 
The pair get down to business. The prince somewhat glad to be away from Kakarot for a while, and to have some alone time meditating and getting stronger. Little does he know that this training is a lot more cerebral than he bargained for. While that is going on, Freezer and Chilai have waited until the cover of darkness to recover the former's ship. Before they go ahead with the mission, Freezer realizes something. Why can't I just fly over the fence? It's not covered or anything. In fact, why do I even need you? Chilai looks to him with a blank stare. I can do this. She takes in a deep breath and starts to scream her head off, shouting for help, before Freezer frantically silences her. Okay, I get it, I get it. Name me one more reason why I need you, and you can come with me. Just don't shout again. It hurts what's left of my ears. Chilai then grabs a rock by their feet and hurls it above them, and it activates an electrical field, vaporizing the rock faster than blinking. There's that to contend with. Nothing can get in. Freezer is perplexed. What about getting out? Oh, that's easy. It's only a one-way protected measure, I think. Freezer is bemused by how backward this security is. Who would greenlight something like that? Something so arrogant and assured that they think that nobody can actually escape or get in? Chilai points out to a sign saying, Freezer Force Impound number 419, with the freezer hastily scribbled out and replaced with cold force. Freezer chooses not to respond to that. Later that night, Chilai approaches the guards pretending to be a lost little girl, to which the guards try and calm down and find their parents. Whilst that goes on, Freezer knocks them out, and they are able to slip in unnoticed. Chilai is surprised that he didn't just waste them, and she asks him why he didn't do so. This makes him pause for a second. Yeah, why didn't he just end these fools? It's what he would normally do. I guess I... I didn't want to scare you. I'm sure a child like yourself wouldn't want to see that. That catches him for a loop. Since when did he care for what a kid would think? Has he changed since being cast out by his father? The old freezer would never have been so considerate. Chilai then rolls her eyes. Been there, done that. Being where I've been, you see a lot of it. I wish I hadn't, but I cannot do the past, so what you gonna do? Let's just get out of here. She walks forward to the ship, leaving Freezer still processing that show of tact. Weird. Hey, you gonna unlock this thing or what, old man? The empathic feelings are now being swapped for annoyance by this remark. Keep your shrill voice down, girl. I'm coming. Over the next few months, Freezer and Chilai begin to get to know one another. Initially, Freezer wanted to find a convenient place to get rid of her, but over the course of their time together, the kid actually proved to be quite useful in finding stuff, as well as taking all the attention away from himself. On top of that, it reminded him of home in a way, to have a minion of sorts just knocking around the place. And granted, she was nowhere near as subservient as his lackeys in the past, but having a cohort along for the ride was actually pretty nice after months of loneliness. With the pair of them drifting from planet to planet, they were able to score some more parts for their ship, as well as Freezer's current body. He started to feel a little uncomfortable in his own skin, and he felt that the time was right to perhaps revisit an old friend, or the closest thing to a friend that Freezer has. Freezer sets a course for the planet that he had started his redemption on, the garbage world where he met Kit. Sure enough, Kit was still there, sifting through all of the waste from the Empire that he worked for, 
or at least sort of worked for. It wasn't really clear what his relationship with the Empire was, really. Did they just abandon him here? Nobody knows. The ship lands, and Kit walks out to see who is bothering him this time, only to see a familiar face. He didn't often get repeat visitors. That never. Well, I'll be. I didn't expect you to drop in again, droidy boy. Droidy boy. Just felt so nice to hear that again for some reason. Familiar, perhaps. But he didn't want this guy to get too comfortable saying it. I have a favor to ask of you, Kit, was it? Me and my passepartout here have scored some very interesting bits of tech, and I need you to upgrade me again. Kit looks up, an eyes freezer with careful thought. What's in it for me? Credits. What do you expect? Unlike last time, I've come prepared. The tinkerer looks down again almost disappointed. He kind of actually wanted to push Freezer's button some more, but he kind of ruined the game for him. That's a darn shame. I could have done with a hand around here. <sighs> All right, let's get you patched up. I'll give you the good stuff this time. Wait, good stuff? What? Were you holding out on me? Kid looks back and smiles. Sure did, Dorty boy. You didn't expect me to hand you my best gear without credits now, did you? Freezer's fist starts to spark in anger, but... He then starts to see where he was coming from. After all, it's like what Kit said in the past. You get nothing in this empire for free. I mean, he would have done the same thing if the roles were reversed. Chilai, meanwhile, is grateful for a comfortable bed to sleep on for the first time in weeks, as Kit is busy doing his thing. You came at the right time, pal. I've been given my marching orders from on high. He points up figuratively. What? You've been laid off? Why? Why would anyone care about this heap of a world? Kit lowers his head. It may be a heap to you, droidy boy, but it's still my home. Or at least, it is for now. He motions to some crates in the corner. I was just done packing my tools. That is until you guys showed up. Well, that's the thing. Where'd you pick up the girl? You didn't steal her, did you? Freezer explains the barroom brawl encounter from earlier and the lucky escape from the impound. You gotta keep her with that one. If a kid like that can do the things you said she can, she's useful. Small hands. Freezer looks to Chilai, fast asleep on the bed. Yes, very useful. He lets out a sly smile, hoping that the mechanic wasn't looking. He was. Hours pass with not much more words said. Kit continues his handiwork until he gives Freezer a slap on the back and tells him to get up and take himself for a spin, a test drive. Freezer walks around a bit and gazes at himself in a piece of glass resembling a mirror or what was left of one. He looks not too bad, much less muddled than before, sleeker and less lopsided, more symmetrical, especially glad to get rid of that lump on his head. It was just so out of place. Very good, Kit. Those higher-ups are fools to be getting rid of you. Kit, having actually been quite satisfied at his handiwork, then slumps back down in his chair. Well, thanks for reminding me, droidy boy. He looks at the clock. I've got about 14 hours until my replacement gets here. I ain't got a ride. No ride? Surely you have a craft to get parts and whatnot. Look around. Where do I need to go? I got all the parts I need. True said that. Chilai has been stirring, semi-listening to the conversation, and suggests something that maybe Kit could tag along with them for a little bit, since he's got nowhere else to go. We can take you back to your homeworld, maybe, and you can get to see your family again, she says. This is my homeworld, little girl. This is my homeworld. I've lived here now for 40 years. I'm an old man. 
I may not look it, but I've seen a lot of stuff. Any family that I had, long gone, replies the beleaguered gearhead. Well, come with us anyway, Chilai replies with more pep now that she had started to wake up. Freezer, who was half listening himself, is stunned at the impertinence and the assumption that he would even agree to such a thing. Who gave you authority to say who can board my ship, girl? Chilai's not that bothered about it. She's actually got stars in her eyes now. She's getting excited. Think about it, Tin Can. Kits are Wisma's machines. You got yourself a personal handyman on deck. It's a no-brainer. This makes Freezer pause for a second. The girl is actually right. It would save him from having to come back here time and time again, and there's no guarantee that Kit's replacement would be nearly as welcoming as he was. The silence resonates for a few seconds more. Very well. So long as you pull your weight around the ship, you may accompany us. Kit is absolutely floored by this. Droidy boy, you got yourself a deal. Now, be a dear and help me get my stuff on board. This old man can only carry so much. He pats Freezer on the shoulder, looking absolutely fine, and walks to the ship to give it the once-over. Less of the droidy boy now, you. You are talking to your commanding officer now. Yes, Mr. Droidy Boy, sir. Ooh, this is going to take some getting used to. With some time to spare before Kit's replacement arrives, he quickly spruces up the ship as best he can, with his fleeting access to Cold Force tech. It helps pass the time and for Freezer to get used to having a crowded vessel. The replacement arrives, and Kit hands over the keys to all the machinery he had used and the house that he had lived in for most of his life. However, just as Kit boards the ship to leave, the new Garbage World resident spots Freezer in the back of the ship. Or at least, someone who sort of resembles the mechanized Freezer from a couple of years back. Is that who she thinks it is? She keeps her cool as the trio leave the world, not wanting to arouse suspicion, because Freezer was very powerful. And you don't want to mess with Freezer if it is. Once they've long gone, the new resident opens up the domicile to see traces of components as well as several parts from Freezer's old body, the one that was used to save his life back then. Immediately, things are starting to fall into place. They dust off a nearby radio and then proceed to transmit their findings to the cold base, which does get back to King Cold in the fullness of time. Back on Yardrat, during said months, Vegeta has been struggling with the meditation, despite just about grasping the art of instant transmission. All this sitting around and very little physical progress has begun to anger him. Pibara has to keep telling the prince that this is all part of the process of increasing control of one's spirit. It's a very long methodical path. You need to be less impatient, Vegeta. For the thousandth time, trust what I say. The prince ignores this and walks out of the training area, much to the shock of Pibara's assistants. Let him go. He will come around. Will he, though? Really? Vegeta walks through the city, trying to remember why he even came here. Ah, yes, that's right. It was to beat Kakarot. Now that he'd recalled that, he remembered something about him saying that he would finish the meditation thing in ten months instead of Kakarot's eleven. Upon further thought... He actually had smashed that. Despite not liking this meditation, he had actually completed most of it in eight months. Three more than what he did in the Morrow arc, but still not bad. Good. I have beaten Kakarot after all. Soon I can be rid of these moronic pests. Vegeta then senses something which stops his blustering. What was that? The prince concentrates and recognizes an energy, 
or what he thinks is an energy. It's a lot more distorted than what he was used to sensing, but the basic signature was the same. Was was that Freezer? Was he alive? Indeed it was. You see, the trio of Freezer, Chilai, and Kit had just landed on a nearby world in order to score a bigger ship. Kit's slow and steady upgrades to the ship had made it a very different animal to what the original Cold Force spec would have been. It was essentially a new ship. It looked different too, with fresh shroudings, and now it was in a place to try and sell, and perhaps get an even bigger ship, one where they could have their own quarters, and yes, you guessed it, a wine cabinet for the captain. Vegeta mutters the name Freezer under his breath, and decides now is the time to perhaps test out his spirit control training, and use his instant transmission technique for the first time in anger. Meanwhile, the gang had just sold their first ship and then bought a new one. Whilst that was being prepared, ready to be deemed spaceworthy, they were heading to a nearby eatery to celebrate their new start as a crew, when suddenly Freezer is slammed to the ground by a surprised fist. Kit and Chilai are darting around, trying to see who threw the punch, and why. It becomes clear soon enough. Vegeta, in Yardrat attire, is looming over them, as well as Freezer, who is scrabbling to get up. You made a big mistake coming here, Freezer. Vegeta quietly growls. Freezer? Kit and Chilai splutter in surprise. They look to the droid, and with this fact now in the air, it falls into place. Well, it turns out that Freezer's identity is now known to Kit and Chilai. He never got around to telling them his true identity. Droidy boy to him was good enough. But anyway, I do hope you enjoyed this part. And once again, do rate and review this on your respective platforms, and it will really help support the show. You can also become a caretaker by going to masako.cc lookout. I do hope that you enjoyed this story, my listeners, and look forward to the fifth part of this tale. Take care. Stay safe, and I shall see you again soon. Goodbye.